And I remember distinctly that I had to make a decision. It was over the Christmas holidays and I was like, should I spend time writing this application or should I enjoy my Christmas? And, you know, I thought, oh, there'd be no way I'd win, you know, probably won't get chosen. But I just remember thinking, why not? Let's just sit down, do it, and then enjoy my Christmas. And it was really just one kind of decision to What do you think tipped it for you? Because you say like you're in two minds. What, did, what yeah. was the tipping point? I think it's just this mindset that I have in my head from quite early on. It's just that it's always worth giving it a try. And if you mm. don't, I would have had a 0% chance of winning. Maybe I had a 1% chance mm. and I got lucky. But I think that's the thing, just to keep motivating yourself to do it even if it seems impossible impossible yeah (laughs) hello and welcome to the women of the future podcast a podcast made in collaboration with the women of the future program a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders as well as support and celebrate the successes of women I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018 in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Sarah Sobka is a medical student at the University of Sheffield. Her research into the most common inherited disease in the UK, cystic fibrosis, has seen her list as one of Forbes's 30 under 30 for science and healthcare in 2016 and speak at the Royal Society of Medicine's Innovation Summit. But not only that, she was named Young Scientist of the Year in 2015. Also a passionate advocate for youth involvement in science, specifically young women, Sarah won the Young Star category at the Women of the Future Awards in 2018. She really is quite incredible. So I originally was born in Sheffield, which is where I've living and settled now but during my childhood we moved around quite a lot so I've always been someone who's lived in all different parts of the country. I've lived in Essex, I've lived in Wales so I don't really have an accent or anything but Sheffield is kind of my home and where I've stayed for medical school but I think I've got used to moving around quite a lot so I'm one of those people who probably won't settle in one place. Why did you move? Would it for your parents' jobs? Yes, exactly, like? yes. So I think with medicine, you move around quite a lot. So it's probably what I'm going to have to end up doing <laughs> for the next few years as well. Are they both doctors, your parents? No, just my father. Okay. I went to uni in Leeds, so I know that part of the world quite well. Do you have a particular empathy with Sheffield? Do you like the northern side of living? I mean, obviously you were saying you've moved around and you've seen yeah. different sides to it. Is that part of the world very close to your heart? I think when I was younger, because I was always moving around, Sheffield was always the place that I was born in Mm. and it was always the special place that, you know, I knew that I'd come into the world for. So I always have a special place in my heart for Sheffield and of course it's a really wonderful city and Mm. it's kind of changed quite a lot over the years. But the best part is definitely the Peak District nearby and all the kind of nature and everyone is so friendly. I think Mm. I'm very blessed to have studied medicine in Sheffield because your patients are just so wonderful (laughs) and so kind and very happy to help you learn as well. So Sheffield's very special to me for sure. It feels like home. Yeah and I did my first research project there which led to me 
winning the UK Young Scientist of the Year, so I've been quite close to the university and done my research there. So it will be sad to leave at the end of the five years, but I think it's also a good time to leave after medical school and mm. explore other places. So what kind of things did you like doing at school? What were your favourite subjects and things you got enjoyment out of? I think in my later years of school, one of the things that I really enjoyed was debating. I think the best part was you used to be able to go around different parts of the country and meet other debaters and other kids from other schools and we did a lot of debating competitions which went sometimes quite well sometimes <laughs> uh, not so much what kind of things would you debate the fun of it was that you wouldn't know what would be coming oh. you'd have 15 minutes to prepare a motion about anything sometimes it would be more general based on the politics of the time um, or otherwise it would be more general topics one that always kind of comes up is whether police in the UK should have guns and the examples right. of America so it kind of encompasses having a general knowledge of international relations but also yeah. just but it was quite topical current yeah. affairs that kind of thing yeah I think what we found was we were a girls school and we would always be debating against very loud and confident boys mm. so we were kind of forced to go into that role of not being afraid to speak up yeah. and also sometimes intimidating them by just being louder than they would expect mm. so I think it was quite good it was always really scary at first but I think it really was something that built me as a person when I was growing up otherwise I used to love reading from the beginning I'd always be like awake at night when my mum would yell at me to kind of go to sleep I was the same yeah mm. and just getting stuck in books and your mind going there so what did you read? What kind of stuff did you read? When I was very young, I think we used to go to sort of charity shops and get older books. So mm. I really liked the older Enid Blyton books and just the difference in the way that they used to speak was yeah. really perplexing and cool. But Famous I was, Five and Secret yeah, Seven. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. The Faraway Tree. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they're kind of mystical worlds, but also had an encyclopedia of space and I really enjoy that. Whilst I'm not a physicist and I'm not as good as a physics as I'd like to be, I really enjoyed kind of looking at space and imagining what was else is yeah. out there. So when did science start coming into your life? I think definitely quite early on. I always loved biology and I think whilst it might be cliche, I did know that I wanted to be a doctor quite early on. How early? How old were you? Well, my mother reports that when I went to the GP, I enjoyed when he'd put the stethoscope on when I was sick and okay. I had my own little one and I used to sort of play that early on. And I think I was just lucky to have a nice GP as well. So mm. it was always, I had quite good experience with hospitals. Yeah. So I was exposed to that environment quite early on. So I did enjoy it. But yes, I'm not sure how long I will stay in it or whether I'll explore other things. But at the moment, I'm really, really enjoying it. And I'm quite lucky that yeah. I, I love working with patients. STEM subjects in particular aren't mm. necessarily something that is always associated with women and I know mm. that you particularly advocate mm -hmm. women going into those kinds of areas. Do you think also coming or having gone to a girls school, mm. did you just not think about it? You thought I'm just going to do what I love, I'm going to do what I'm passionate about because not having the opposite sex yeah. there, you just thought I'm just going to pursue what I'm really interested mm. and passionate about. Yeah, I do think that is you know, there's obviously the whole debate about whether girls' schools are good or bad. I've been in both kind of state school all through primary school mm. and mixed school and girls' school later on. But I do think that was the one thing that stood out for me in the kind of girls' school environment, that there wasn't the subject that all the boys went into or all the girls went into. Yes, yeah. the physics, physics was full at GCSE and sort of tapered off later on, but there were still 
girls in doing it and it wasn't mm. strange whereas if you're in a class in one of the schools in year nine I was in a class of it was a very small school there was 14 of us mm. 12 boys and two girls and that was quite overwhelming yeah especially at that kind of age when everyone's very different kind of mentally as well it was quite a different experience but I do think that it's important to be exposed to both genders when you're growing up and also just normalizing it. It shouldn't be this idea that computer science is for boys, whilst, you know, still is male dominated, it just has to be normalized, like as we're normalizing so many other things in society. Absolutely. And you are but 22, so you've got your yeah. whole life ahead of you, not meaning to sound <laughs> too condescending, but you have also won the Young Scientists of the Year you're on this podcast because you won in the Women of the Future Awards mm. and also you were listed on the Forbes 30 under 30 for science and healthcare. Do you want to tell us more about how and why you've achieved those recognitions or those accolades? Mm. I think I'm very lucky and blessed that I had these opportunities as well and I think obviously there's so many fantastic women who are doing amazing things and who are probably a lot smarter than me as well who maybe haven't been recognised but I think the one thing that I found that's helped me get where I am is that when there was opportunities that were maybe even you had to put a bit more effort in, I took them. So originally the Young Scientist of the Year Award, I spent my summer doing a research project. It was through the Nuffield Research Placements Programme. So it's an opportunity for young people to spend a summer in a lab in a university and do a real research project and really see the reality of research, which is not as glamorous as it mm. seems maybe on TV. Things do go wrong. How did you get involved in that as well? Did you have to apply or were you selected? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly where I saw it, but I think it was online that I'd heard about the programme. Okay. I don't think they actually approached our school because um, I think I was the only one who'd done that, but I'd just seen it and I thought that would be mm. really amazing to go into a lab and actually see what it's like. It was maybe completely different to what I expected because it... <laughs> You know, that's the thing with lab work, it can be repetitive, but you know what you're working towards and it's just contextualising it into the bigger picture. So it started off with that and I had an amazing supervisor, Dr Louise Robson, and she's still one of my kind of role models because she's been working in research for a really long time and she's quite a big advocate as well. So I think that's one thing to acknowledge also the role models and the people who have supported you along the way. Do you think she helped shape the progress of your career so far or is it more in like a supporting mentor role um definitely mentorship at the time now we don't see each other so much but it's also just she accepted a 17 year old student into her lab in the first place <laughs> and also just having that trust because i think it's quite hard to let someone come into your project and yeah. giving them responsibility but it's so important to be able to do that and i think even now in hospital placements you really learn when you're given some responsibility mm -hmm. and given not sort of babied but also just given a role and I was allowed to do this research project and write it up and were, then were you the youngest one there or? yeah so in the lab I was the youngest one and how many the, of you were there so there was um another student who was at university doing mm. another project alongside so she does do it with kind of older students but having that opportunity when you're quite young is mm. quite important as well to shape your ideas of research and just again you're seeing that there is this woman who runs a whole lab Ooh. whilst having a family whilst doing multitude of other things is quite inspiring so I started off doing that and then 
really the story of the National Science and Engineering competition was you'd put forward the research you'd done. And I remember distinctly that I had to make a decision. It was over the Christmas holidays and I was like, should I spend time writing this application or should I enjoy my Christmas? And, you know, I thought, oh, there'd be no way I'd win, you know, probably won't get chosen. But I just remember thinking, why not? Let's just sit down, do it, and then enjoy my Christmas. And it was really just one kind of decision to What do you think tipped it for you? Because you say like you're in two minds. What, did, what yeah. was the tipping point? I think it's just this mindset that I have in my head from quite early on. It's just that it's always worth giving a try. And if you mm. don't, I would have had a 0% chance of winning. Maybe I had a 1% chance mm. and I got lucky. But I think that's the thing, just to keep motivating yourself to do it even if it seems impossible impossible yeah because <laughs> I remember seeing the girls who'd won before me the, a similar award and I you know I was quite amazed and they'd done a video about it and I it was no chance in my mind in a million years that I would have been the one to come in the next mm. year but yeah I just really enjoyed my project I presented it as best as I can and I was really lucky that the judges saw that I really enjoyed science and and your project was on cystic fibrosis yes was there a reason that you chose that so we got to choose a few projects. Mainly I chose working in Sheffield in the lab and that was the project that was available. But then as I read more about cystic fibrosis, I realised that this is really good condition to do research in. Mm -hmm. And in the news now, I remember Jeremy Corbyn's actually lobbying to get cystic fibrosis patients this new treatment that's extremely expensive on the NHS because the problem with cystic fibrosis is that there are some treatments, but they're extremely, extremely expensive, and sometimes mm. the NHS can't rationalise it. So we were looking at a drug that's quite cheap. It's currently used to treat irritable bowel syndrome in women. It's called lubipristone. And we were trying to see whether it could be used as a treatment for cystic fibrosis. But as you know, research just takes a really long time, so I'm not sure whether it will kind mm. of move into that stage, but it's just remembering that every little discovery, every little research finding should be published even if your receptor that you were studying is not the right one or something you still have to put that knowledge out there to yeah. build a whole picture. What made you make the connection between cystic fibrosis and IBS? Was there something were they quite closely associated? Yeah diseases, I think it's um, specifically looking at the receptor so there's a receptor issue in cystic fibrosis mm. it's called the CFTR receptor so basically chloride ions don't pass through the receptor well enough right. so we were trying to see whether this drug can also stimulate the same receptor to okay. kind of make mucose because they basically have very thick secretions in mm -hmm. their lungs and their digestive system is so it's trying to thin the secretions out okay yeah so it's building on previous work yeah. and then just sort of taking one receptor for my job you always take a small little kind of crumb of a big cake and just mm. try and like put everything together but it's difficult and sometimes can be you know repetitive but I think when you have that final finding or mm. when you're presenting your work and you kind of have the, all this knowledge that you've built up it's really rewarding yeah so i really do enjoy doing research as well and would encourage any young women to <laughs> kind of go forward in it and just try it out even if you don't like it try different labs try different projects and try different countries I did a research project in Italy in my first year of university and that was a very different approach, mm. maybe more laid back, but really kind of enjoyable to see what research is going on in different countries and how people go about it. Could you believe it when you found out you'd won? 
Definitely not. <laughs> so it was really absolutely just because we were told that we'd be given envelopes for the top three. And I saw the girl next to me who I thought was really great getting an envelope. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, they're giving out the envelopes. But then they came to me and I was absolutely just... Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. I, I really would say never in a million years. Was this at an awards ceremony? Yeah, so or, it's the, okay. it was the National Science and Engineering Competition. Yeah. And they're kind of changed over now. But every year in March, they do the Big Bang Fair, which is a really big initiative to encourage young people to be exposed to science quite early on. And they have really fun mm. exhibitions and they put in ambulances as well. And, Ooh. you know, they have a they take up the whole NEC in Birmingham. I mean, it's a completely free event. So it's alongside that that there's the National Science and Engineering Competition. Okay. So it's really, really fantastic opportunity. And they're really great people as well, the work they do. So tell me more about how you are involved with the Women of the Future programme. The Women of the Future programme, again, was one of those surprises that popped up got nominated for it and again when I saw the other young women who were nominated they were all fantastic I think setting up businesses and doing all sorts of amazing things and so again I never expected in a million years that I would be put forward for the awards but just going to the award ceremony and it was just such an inspiring night. Mm. This is last year? Yes exactly yeah just being in that environment being with other young women who and women in general who are so supportive and I think that's the key element to kind of pushing us forward is supporting each other and being on each other's side and not seeing it as a competition because there was no element of who will win or whatever because it's it was celebratory yeah there is exactly there was no winner to do well yeah yeah Yeah. there really is no winner it's just going through everyone's achievements and also acknowledging that there are so many amazing women out there in the uk out there in the world whose names we don't know whose stories we don't know but they're doing you know amazing things every single day and also remembering that so I really found it to be an inspiring night. And it was, of course, wonderful to have the trophy, which has pride in place in my, in my room. So moving forward, I'd love to continue doing what I'm doing and yes. just encouraging young women to be confident. And whilst it's easier said than done, but just having those elements of self-belief. I think we're in a really good time for that right now. There's so many fantastic initiatives going on. Instagram advocates, I'm not one of them, but you know, people who are saying that we should be proud of who we are and kind of keep moving forward. We still have a long way to go to Mm. becoming completely equal around the world and just enabling women to reach their full potential but it was fantastic. (laughs) And having the right kind of role models as well. Exactly, exactly and I think that's the philosophy behind what Pinky's trying to do, just putting role models out there for young women and just saying in all of these fields and there was too many to remember there are all of these women who are maybe trailblazers but also you can be them in the future are you ready for some quick fire questions okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) what would you describe as your greatest success i think my greatest success is quite a hard question (laughs) because there's so many things that i'm really proud of but i think my biggest success is just the person who I am today. I'm very proud of how far I've come from where I started off to where I am today. And obviously it's a great, amazing blessing to be with you talking to you today. So it's quite, you know, you do have those moments when you think, I'm really lucky. So I'm very proud of that. But yeah, just also having good values and remembering that there's people that need your help and that, you know, it's not just about you or about me, but also that 
hopefully serving people and helping them as well. And your greatest failure? My greatest failure is that I didn't put myself forward for even more things. I was too afraid to apply for some things and Why? maybe, again, just maybe the fear of failure. Confidence? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's, there's no way that I'll get that, so there's no point or it's a waste of time to apply. So even though I said previously that I still push myself to go for it, it's still something that I'm working on. You've only failed if you haven't tried, really. If you've tried, then you've at least put the effort through and built, you know, you've learned something, even if you don't get it. So that's something that I'm trying to work on in myself to keep, you know, going for things, yeah. even if I'm scared that I won't. Do you think in future, going forward, you will be more proactive about looking for the opportunities and reaching out to them? Yes, I think so. I think I sometimes do have the idea, because I've been really lucky that things have just, you know, I've been lucky that I've been at the right place at the right time, maybe fate or whatever, mm. but it's not just that. No, you it's do not. have to look actively, have an idea of what you're looking for and having a vision. So it's mm. just sort of still not sure what my vis vision mm. is finally, but making a plan also. I think when you're a young woman as well, there's so much going on in your life and even just the school system, there's just so much going on. But also just knowing what do you want to do yeah. and how will you kind of achieve it. I think also as an outsider looking in, you think, oh, these things just fall in your lap. It's yeah. all so easy. It yeah. just comes and it's just all very convenient. But it's not. It's all yeah. about hard work and perseverance. Like yeah. you say, taking time out of your Christmas to kind of yeah. fill in the form. Yeah. And, but that is all like a little bit of sacrifice, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not necessarily a slog in that you're fighting a war but yeah. you are actually making an effort and that's you are it. persevering and I do think one thing that stuck with me that my mother told me when I was quite young and she said that when I wouldn't want to revise or just you know wanted mm. to just go out and have fun all the time it's of course it's important to have fun but also remember that if you put in the time now you can be more relaxed later on in life Absolutely. hopefully so dividends exactly yeah. so trying my best to do it but obviously it's very you know hard to resist <laughs> <laughs> having a relaxing day Okay, so the mantra of the woman of the future is kindness and collaboration. Yeah. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? Kindness and collaboration. Kindness, I think, is something that has to be everywhere, in everything, in every little interaction with people. Saying thank you, acknowledging, you know, the person that is there in front of you. I think sometimes patients say you're really grateful or something like that and I find it really uncomfortable to deal with either because I'm firstly I'm a student and also just they say oh thank you for what you've done and I just think being grateful towards everyone who's doing their job today people who make sure that there's not rubbish on the street mm. or just acknowledging that everyone's working really hard and that we're all in this together I think yeah. even you know even with the climate crisis and all of that we have to become more unified I think in our world is still really divided so I really hope that's something that can change going forward and gratitude mm. gratitude is just always there's not enough of it we always complain yeah. we're quick to complain but you're never that's quick it. to say thank you yeah no I think that's really one thing that I take quite strongly in my life always being so grateful for what I have I have friends who have amazing lives and they still want more and it's just you can want more but also just 
remembering how far you've come and what yes. you have and being grateful for it yeah. um, every day. And it just makes you happier, really. Of course it does. I think it does. <laughs> I remember a couple of weeks ago, my little girl was really sick, oh, so I had to take her for an emergency appointment at the doctor's, and I didn't have a car, and they asked me to get there in 20 minutes, mm. and I went round to our neighbour's house, and I was like, hey, help me. Mm. I was just really tired because she'd been up all night. Yeah, and my neighbour was in her pyjamas and was like, yeah, give me... Like, she, she was lovely, first and foremost, gave mm. me a lift down there. Went in there, the GP because my little girl's blonde curly hair yeah. obviously took a bit of a shine to her so gave her loads of stickers he ended up giving her half his lunch and things <laughs> like that and I just thought you've been really nice and we came out and I wrote a letter and I, my daughter's not three but he got mm. she, I got her to sign it which was a big Aww. scribble and I just thought I needed to do that to actually be grateful because you helped me I was like I say I was sleep deprived and a little yeah, bit emotional course, yeah. but those moments you need to acknowledge because we're all very quick like in a restaurant or you've had mm. a crappy service mm. from something mm. and you're like oh that was terrible I want to the manager mm. but actually you do need to take those moments and be like thank you for helping me yeah. and we all do need savings sometimes don't yeah. we so no. i think it's just acknowledging that as well definitely i think in sheffield there's quite a problem with kind of homeless people around and it's so hard to know what to do to help but even just saying hello there's one man that i know the name of and i always just say hello and say mm. his name and just having that someone saying your name and someone acknowledging him. you yeah. because I can't imagine, you know, how it feels to be ignored all day and yeah. just, yeah, if anything can come from this podcast, it's just kind of reminding people that it's so important to be grateful mm. and be just kind to people yeah. as well. Kind to animals, kind to the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what stage of your career are you at now? You're still a student. Have you got a few years to go? So or? I'm in my final year of okay. medical school, which Ooh. is scary. <laughs> so we have exams in not too long and just less than two months now so it's quite a busy and scary time of life i don't know where i'll be working mm. or what i'll be working in next august but hopefully it will be something that i really enjoy and it'll be a nice hospital i think that's the main thing on the wards or with the specialism so we don't know yet we okay. kind of apply to an area of the uk and then once we've been allocated to an area of the uk we can then choose our preferences for jobs okay. so it's a nationalized system and sometimes you do feel like you're one sheep in a big flock mm. that's been herded into this nhs system you do sort of feel that you're just one of a thousands but also it's just kind of part and parcel of it and knowing that when i do hopefully have a job i can do the best I can and help the patients that I have and I'm really really looking forward to finally working after being studying for a very long yeah, time I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah is there anything that scares you I would say I'm scared of not finding what my true passion is sooner rather than later but I'm consoled by the fact that it's never too late to kind of change your mind or just make steps to change things I think that was the fear going into medicine that, oh, you know, it's very specialised or it's a very focused career. But I think I've been very lucky to meet people who have done one thing. And actually, one of my best friends, she originally did electrical engineering wow. at university and she has kind of changed her mind completely and wants to go down the art route and is applying to art school. And she just was one of those kind of role models or just mentors or the tribe having your tribe your friends who support you i'm just so impressed by the way that she's realized that this is exactly what i want to do and whilst it's extremely different to engineering she's going forward for it so i think that's one thing that also really helps yeah. good that she's realized that now as yeah well, where it's a lot easier to make a change Not yeah you can't ever make a change at any point yeah. in your life but that's really interesting yeah what's left on your to-do list 
on my to-do list is definitely try and see more of the world without flying too much hopefully yeah, yeah. but just I heard a while ago and definitely still believe in it that traveling is an investment that always reaps back um, its benefits so definitely would love to do more of that. As a doctor or just for enjoyment? And... Yeah so when I was younger I really really wanted to work with MSF and I hopefully medicine there are yeah medicines yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so hopefully I mean there's no not as many refugee camps and mm. horrible situations that need doctors but yes definitely being able to volunteer around the world would be an amazing role but when I have more experience and just seeing where things go uh, the to-do list will be written as life continues really when I ask you that rubbish question of if I met you in 10 years time what would you be doing in 10 years time I'll be 32 I hope that I have be still helping patients in some way or another be it on the front line or in maybe in a public health context I'm not sure but just continuing to do what I'm doing today and if not inspiring young women on a kind of larger scale inspiring the women around me inspiring the people around me and trying to just encourage people as positively as possible that's my aim just help as many people as possible really as cliche as it sounds <laughs> I like the cliche <laughs> yeah I love your mindset thank you so much no for taking problem. the time thank to speak you. to me Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Women of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a rating and review? You know you want to. For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.